Hello, everybody. This is the show Helium 3, More Than Dust. My name is Joseph Barrera. I'm an associate activist with LaRouche PAC Committee. And today I'm speaking with Ronald Kokinda, a LaRouche PAC Committee member. And today uh, we're going to be speaking on... Uh, Episode one will feature Russian Gate fakery, and episode two will be featuring, or speaking on, I should say, exoneration of LaRouche to stop the coup against Trump. But first of all, I want to hear from Ronald because he has some exciting news clips for, for the public out there. There you go, Ronald. Ronald, you may speak. Um, well, to, there's a lot of uh, major breaking uh, news. Um, first of all, <clears throat> President Trump, while he was on his trip to Japan, uh, was asked about Iran and the danger of war. And um, he's made very clear uh, that... He uh, is willing to talk with Iran, uh, hopes they will call him, and he made very clear that uh, it, he's talking about the current government of Iran. In other words, he is, he is ruling out uh, regime change as his intention. Um, so I, I thought that was very important because um, – you know, there's been a lot of back and forth and news about the uh, uh, what what John Bolton and uh, Secretary of State Pompeo have been saying in terms of uh, uh, the danger of war, the RAN activities in the Gulf, um, this recent attacks on um, two Saudi ships, which still has not been identified who is responsible for that. But uh, they're saying that it's the so-called credible intelligence that uh, that uh, Iran is posing an increasing threat um, to to American forces, American interests. You could, of course, say that at almost any time you want. You can cherry pick intelligence, and I think it's very important that uh, President Trump made clear that uh, he is willing to deal with the current. Uh, leadership of Iran, and that's who he wants to begin talks with. So I think that will um, certainly help in, in uh, uh, damping out this war talk. Um, the other thing that's in the news is um, uh, President Trump um, made some very dramatic statements um, about the military-industrial complex. Uh, this also fits in with the. This was also triggered by the danger of war with Iran. Um, not only is he the first president in more than a hundred years to talk about the American system of economics, but uh, these remarks were uh, the first time an American president in more than 50 years has uh, talked about uh, the military-industrial uh, complex issue. And um, 
he he uh, said that um, uh, we there there are people who always want to um, go to war. They they uh, they uh, want to maintain a military presence wherever they go. Um, and uh, he said the quote was he said uh, someday people will explain it. But you do have a group, and they call it the military-industrial complex. They never want to leave. They always want to fight, end quote. And um, he, he, um, he said that um, uh, this is something that, uh, well, our, our assessment of this is, of course, what they call the military-industrial complex really has uh, – uh, always been the British geopolitical com- uh, complex. In Eisenhower's time, it was the uh, Church- Churchill Circles who had owned Harry Truman and the uh, British-Swiss Ron Dulles brothers uh, who tormented uh, President Eisenhower and JFK. And um, now this same um, British geopolitical complex is uh, torturing Trump. I mean, if uh, they were ever... Um, successful in getting President Trump to intervene militarily somewhere, whether it be Iran or Venezuela, um, you know, that not only is it the danger of World War III, but uh, in terms of the political impact just here domestically, I mean, it would severely cripple his reelection chances. So that this this attack on the military-industrial complex and his comments on Iran were uh, two um, uh, very big uh, uh, developments. Um, the other uh, uh, thing that um, has been important is that on uh, May 19th, the president announced that he has um, uh, okayed the declassification of all the documents that are relevant to how Russiagate uh, was organized in the United States. Um, he was he was asked uh, shortly uh, on May 24th. This is the day just before he um, uh, left on his uh, uh, for his trip to Japan. Um, he said that uh, he had issued a directive um, authorizing Attorney General Barr to declassify and release all documents connected to the origination of the Russia investigation. And um, he was asked by a reporter, he said, why should people trust the attorney general to select what is declassified, even if Robert Mueller expressed concerns about the way Barr handled this, his findings? And Trump answered, and this was a quote, he said that, this question is so false and so phony. He said, let me explain. The attorney general is one of the most respected people in the country. He has been for a long period of time. He's going to look at a lot of documents. Some he might find interesting. Maybe he'll find none interesting. But for over a year, people have asked me to declassify. What I've done is declassified everything. He can look. I hope he looks at the U.K., and I hope he looks at Australia, 
and I hope he looks at Ukraine. I hope he looks at everything because there was a hoax that was perpetrated on our country. It's the greatest hoax. Excuse me, as the porter's trying to interrupt him. He said, it's the greatest hoax probably in the history of our country. And somebody has to get to the bottom of it. We'll see. For a long period of time, they wanted me to declassify, and I did. And the reporter comes back and says, what is it about? Is it about getting payback for the two years? And Trump says, this is about finding out what happened. I won an election. I won it easily, 306-223. He's referring to the Electoral College. I won it pretty easily. This is all about what happened and when did it happen, because this was an attempted takedown of the president of the United States. And we have to find out. Why did somebody write a text message, the two lovers, that if she loses, meaning Clinton, we have an insurance policy, an insurance policy to take down the president? We're going to find out what happened and why it happened. It's not payback. I don't care about payback. I think it's important for our country to find out what happened. So um, this is uh, this is this is a um, this is a very big step, and of course. Uh, yesterday, uh, Robert Mueller, uh, throwing the entire system of jurisprudence of the United States, that you're innocent until proven guilty, gave a press conference at the Department of Justice and basically came up and invited the Congress to begin impeachment proceedings against President Trump once again. Um, so, uh, that, that, that's, uh, the, uh, the question, the, the, uh, the, uh, release from, uh, Bill Benny and, and Larry Johnson that you wanted to take up. Um, I think that, uh, this kind of sets the stage for it because the question is, what is truthful in the Mueller report? And the only thing that you can say is truthful about it is that he found um, no collusion between Donald Trump and Russia in terms of Trump's election. Um, And he brought forward nothing on obstruction of the investigation. The rest of the report is sticking with the big lie that the Russians interfered um, in the U.S. election. And, um, of course, part of the the Mueller report is that he indicted uh, several uh, Russian GRU officials for carrying out a hack of the DNC servers and John Podesta. And, of course, what Bill Binney, who is a former technical director of the National Security Agency, has pointed out and is willing to testify before a congressional committee or a court of law and has actually um, uh, submitted an affidavit in um, a uh, court case uh, for Roger Stone 
he has said definitively that all the evidence that he has seen clearly demonstrates that there was no hack of by Russia of the DNC. In fact, there was no hack of the DNC at all. A hack never occurred. Um, Larry Johnson has made um, uh, various claims, and um, uh, that, that's, I think, the subject of the of the um, uh, of the statement that uh, you wanted to bring up today. So I'll I'll turn it back to you. Okay. Uh, I'm going to go with the LaRouche Pack release on April 26. Larry Johnson, Bill Benny, Blast, Russiangate, Fakery, Highlight, GCHQ Row in the Coup. Now, I want to ask you, um, can you just tell me what GCHQ represents? Uh, it's uh, General... Uh Command headquarters. Um, it is the British equivalent of uh, our U.S. National Security Agency. Okay. So they have the they have the um, they're they're the um, com- communications uh, center. All monitoring of communications uh, signals intelligence. The um, spy headquarters. Spy headquarters. Yes, I guess you could call it that. <laughs> okay. Well, I'm gonna get started. Okay. Larouche Pax, April 25th, fireside chat featured former NSA technical director Bill Benny, Larry Johnson, formerly of the CIA, and the State Department's counterterror unit, and Barbara Boyd. LaRouche Pack's author of the report, Robert Mueller is an immoral assassin. He will do his job if you let him. They discussed Robert Mueller's entirely nonsensical report trying to justify how, to, how he spent $35 million investigating Russiangate when it was known from the beginning that there was never any conspiracy between the Trump campaign in Russia. I'll repeat that. It was known from the beginning. Instead, there was a concerted effort from the British and the American intelligence agencies to smear Donald Trump as a Russian agent. A full-scale escalation of that effort involving multiple FBI, CIA, and GCHQ components when Trump became the Republican nominee and the explosion of the coup attempt against the incoming administration when Trump won the presidency. This operation has dangerously imperiled relationships between the world's two greatest nuclear powers. I should say um, one thing. Um about about Johnson's comments because um, he he has made clear that the surveillance began against uh, several uh, campaigns in Italy um, 
anyone who is considered a serious threat to Hillary Clinton's campaign. And uh, eventually this narrowed in to focus uh, exclusively on uh, Donald Trump. But initially targeted, uh, he had named uh, Ted Cruz's campaign. We know that uh, Bernie Sanders was um, campaign was a target of some of these operations, um, and and there were others. Oh, okay. So I'll continue. Bill Benny said he found no evidence in the Mueller report whatsoever demonstrating that the Russians hacked the DNC or John Podesta, a fraud which Mueller spends pages attempting to promote. Benny has previously done forensics on the WikiLeaks documents. Mueller claims were the product of the hack by the Russians. He has demonstrated, as have others, the Guccifer 2.0, who Mueller claims is a Russian GRU persona, is a fake persona, and that the WikiLeaks documents are the product of a download via a thumb drive or a storage device rather than a hack. Johnson revealed that Britain's GCHQ began a calculated surveillance operation covering everyone in the Trump campaign in late 2015, which is how they targeted George Papalopoulos, the young Trump campaign volunteer working in London, for a series of entrapment operations which created the pretext for the FBI's counterintelligence operation, codenamed Crossfire Hurricane. As a result of the targeting, Papadopoulos was set up by Joseph Misfud, a Maltese professor who is a British intelligence asset, not a Russian asset, as fraudulently portrayed by Robert Mueller. Misfud tells Papadopoulos, excuse me for getting that name so wrong, but that the Ru- <laughs> yes, that the Russians had thousands of Hillary Clinton's emails, creating the pretext or prededicated for an unprecedented espionage against a major presidential campaign by the FBI. On April twenty fifth. 2019, President Trump issued a tweet. Former CIA analysis Larry Johnson accuses United Kingdom intelligence of helping Obama administration spy on Trump in 2016. Trump presidential campaign. And that's at dash at O-N-N dash W O W. Well, that that was the that was the television station. That was the quote. The, the it was quoting the um, OA OAN network um, 
where he said uh, former CIA analyst Larry Johnson accuses United Kingdom intelligence of helping Obama administration spy on the 2016 Trump presidential campaign. That was the news station's uh, assessment of uh, what Larry Johnson has said. And then uh, President Trump responds, wow. All right. He says, Trump, Trump says it is now just a question of time before the truth comes out. This is before it does declassified, of course. And when it does, it will be a beauty. Uh, that, that's Trump's statement. Okay. And, of course, since then, he has now declassified, declassified all these documents, give the, given the authority to bar to declassify what he's teased fit. So I say let them all enjoy what they're going to read. <laughs> yes. <laughs> yes. No. Now, Barbara Boyd focused initially on the reported fact that John Brennan initially demanded that the completely phony Christopher Steele report be included verbatim in the Obama administration's January 2017 assessment that Russia meddled in the election in support of Donald Trump. While Johnson said that this was really being pushed by James Clapper, the implication was very clear. Had that phony piece of intelligence been directly endorsed, the coup would have been completely and dangerously opened up directly just before the president's inauguration. Otherwise, the three had a fascinating discussion of the British row in the coup and its strategic contents and the key people who must now be investigated and jailed. Now, that was episode one. Uh, would you like to comment any more on that one? Well, I, I um, there was a... Um, a uh, Larouchpak interview of of Johnson um, on on uh, May seventeenth. I don't know if you wanted to get into it, but I I had some a transcript of some of his remarks on that, and um, it might be useful to just uh, uh, give a sense of of what happened for, to Johnson in this. Um, because he said um, he, he said he first first talked about the targeting of the candidates and then narrowing this down to Trump. He first talked about it back in March of 2017. He he appeared on the Russia Today TV show um, and he was commenting on Trump's remarks that had been wiretapped by the FBI. Um, and of course, he said, you know, Trump was using the wiretapping term to cover a lot of different uh, activities, not just uh, surveillance, but other types of spying. Um, and he said, uh, but I made a comment then, and it went on notice for two weeks. He said, nobody paid attention to it. So if nothing else, Johnson says, that tells you how much our team lacks and um, uh, RT lacks in influence in the United States in shaping public opinion, public debate, um, just by claims to the contrary by the CIA, 
um, in that intelligence community assessment come out in January 2017. In other words, he was saying that what the uh, intelligence community said in that January 2017 report, this so-called report where so-called 17 agents, intelligence agencies agreed that Russia interfered in the election. And Johnson said, well, I appeared on RT, and what I said, uh, that Trump was being spied upon, it was ignored. Nobody, nobody even noticed that he did this. And that, that shows you just how much influence RT has in the United States. So, so much for big Russian influence. So, but he said about three weeks after that, he said Judge Napolitano obtained information from a discussion we had on the Veteran Intelligence Professionals for Sanity Bulletin Board. And he went on television with it and was immediately suspended. Uh, this was Napolitano. He says, because doing it on Fox did attract attention and it alarmed the British. He said the British had put pressure on the Murdoch family, and Murdoch sent down word to get Napolitano off. And in the context of that, Judge Napolitano called me and asked me to speak to the New York Times reporter Michael Winbaum on his behalf, he said, which I foolishly did, thinking that Winblom could be trusted to report the story fairly and accurately, both of which assumptions turned out not to be true. But anyway, he said, you know, this led to an immediate firestorm. He said, I was under attack. They were calling me everything but a child murderer. And the story was dismissed because I was called a, quote, conspiracy theorist, unquote. Uh, he said, but that went on. That was, that was two years ago. And uh, now it's resurfaced, and we know a lot more now today than we did two years ago. And what he basically lays out, what Johnson's laying out here, is that people on the Trump campaign, not just that they were spied upon, he said, but this, this was an entrapment operation. Everybody that, that uh, uh, you know, that was supposed to be so, so-called Trump connections, Trump campaign connections to the Russians is actually FBI assets. So he continues. He said, um, John, this is Johnson again on May 17th on the LaRouche Pack interview. He said this effort to go after Trump didn't start initially as a targeting just Trump. It was, in fact, targeting all of the political candidates that Hillary Clinton anticipated facing. And what I am told by someone who's in a position to know is that this initiative to enlist the British and other foreign intelligence agencies and election campaigns to produce intelligence that could be a benefit to the Clinton campaign started in the summer of 2015. And initially, it was not just against Donald Trump. It included Ted Cruz, Ben Carson, and it included Bernie Sanders. We now know, and there were reports back in 2017, for example, that Samantha Power was accused of having unmasked more than 260 people affiliated with just the Trump campaign. Now, to your average viewer, that doesn't mean anything. He says, well, what does unmasking mean? Unmasking means that the names of 260 people appeared in either an intelligence report prepared by the CIA or an intelligence report prepared by the 
National Security Agency. Neither the CIA nor the NSA are permitted to name U.S. citizens by name in those reports. So they have generic descriptions like person A or subject one and so on. But when you want to know their identity, you have to go through a process and fill out some paperwork. So there's a paper trail, and that process is called unmasking, where you take the mask, the false name put there, and reveal the true name of the person. So when you're talking about 260 names unmasked, you're talking about a lot of intelligence reports. The normal process in which the intelligence community is supposed to work is that they have collections plan they have collection plans to say, for example, we're going to monitor the Russians to see if they're interfering in any of our electoral activities or participating with the campaigns. So we are now left with, and there are only two possibilities in this. Either the intelligence community accurately identified intelligence that showed that the Russians were doing this, or they didn't. And as Bill pointed out, when, referring to Bill Binney, when, when Barack Obama left office, despite all of this intelligence reports that were coming in, they didn't have conclusive evidence. The entire process, though, was designed to create a pretext. Because if you can point to something that's classified, a claim that it shows some sort of relationship, without exposing that in many of those reports, the relationships that were being described were in fact created by other intelligence operations. So uh, Johnson says, as an example, in the case of George Papadopoulos, the British used their own intelligence assets one of whom is Joseph Mifsud, to make an approach to George, George Papadopoulos, to offer to get George information about the Russians and dirt that they had on the Clinton campaign. George Papadopoulos is in London at the same time when he's getting this information. He communicates that via an email back to the United States. Well, that communication is intercepted both by the NSA and by British intelligence, and it's then produced in a report that Subject A in Britain communicated to Subject B on Candidate R's campaign about having dirt on Hillary Clinton. Well, that all of a sudden, that's intelligence. That's proof. So you can go to the FBI and say, we've got intelligence that shows that there's some smoke here and we've got to investigate. And yet, they don't admit that the entire thing is staged. But by staging that kind of thing, you can plant information that appears to be true, even though it's a lie. And so that's how this thing started. And then as the campaign progressed from the summer of 2015, getting into late winter of 2015, early spring 2016, it becomes clear that Donald Trump was the front runner. And it was at that point that this covert operation, because there's no other way to describe it, but it was a covert action that involved both British and American intelligence assets, as well as U.S. law enforcement assets and the FBI, to create the impression, defeat the memory, that Donald Trump was acting with and at the behest of Vladimir Putin. That whole plot began to be unfolded in earnest 
in March and April of 2016. So, um, so uh, uh, he goes on. He goes through various um, uh, details on this thing. Um, uh, Barbara uh, Boyd says to him at this point, he says, you pointed to in your writings a specific email on WikiLeaks between John Podesta, chairman of the Clinton campaign, back in December 2015, he's talking to a reporter from the Hill newspaper, and they're talking about the fact that way back in December 15, the most effective tactic against Donald Trump was going to be smear him based on his buddy-buddy relationship with Putin. She asked uh, Johnson, can you say anything more about that? And Johnson says, well, let's understand that the individual, Brent Budowski, was the one in the email exchange with Podesta. Budowski is not a Hill reporter. Budowski is a longtime Democratic staff member and had served up on the Hill. So he's very plugged in with Democratic politics for quite a while. And the fact that they're discussing using, they were going to, I think the exact phrase was, slaughter Donald Trump for his bromance with Putin, end quote. And so it was clear that the Clinton campaign took the decision to start using the Putin angle as the way to attack and discredit Donald Trump. And Johnson says the other element in this is when you look at the law firm of Perkins Coie, Perkins Coie was the one that was involved with bringing CrowdStrike into the DNC to establish, investigate the alleged Russian hacking of the DNC. And, of course, CrowdStrike, uh, as we know, is is the firm that claimed that the DNC was hacked. And the FBI, without ever taking the DNC, without ever examining the DNC servers themselves, took this word of this private firm, CrowdStrike, uh, as our evidence that Russia hacked the DNC. So Johnson continues. He said um, – I think the simple fact that they had brought CrowdStrike in for that was part of a pretext to blame the Russians because it, they knew that it was not the Russians who actually did this. It was also Perkins Coie that hired Fusion GPS, which then in turn hired Christopher Steele. So this uh, uh, CrowdStrike is run by a very um, uh, um, uh, Russian, owned by a Russian hater, Russian fanatic anti-Russian uh, Ukrainian type. So this, this is the um, – uh, he, he, he mentions the next individual in this process. He says uh, – Johnson says, we know that um, uh, Felix Sater – it was actually in the news today, this was May 17th – was an FBI confidential human source. He was the one to propose to the Trump campaign – that they go do something in Russia, build a Trump Tower in Moscow. He was the one that initiated that. It wasn't Donald Trump Jr. It wasn't Donald Trump. It wasn't Ivanka Trump. None of the Trumps said they have, they have not a single shred of evidence of them sitting around saying, you know what, we ought to do something in Moscow. Let's get a hold of Felix and ask him to help us. It was just the opposite. Slater, the FBI uh, informant, he was the one that was trying to get lure the Trump campaign 
into some sort of Moscow tower deal. And then Johnson says, finally, you had a character by the name of Henry Greenberg. He's actually got 10 different names. He was signed up 17 years ago by the FBI as a confidential human source. And he approaches first Michael Caputo, who then puts him in touch with Roger Stone and offers to sell dirt on Hillary Clinton. And they decline the offer. So Johnson says, so when you're seeing that kind of effort by the FBI, that totally explodes the lie that the FBI is telling that they didn't start looking at this hard until Alexander Downer, an Australian diplomat who has ties to MI6 and was a key member in a firm compromised, uh, comprised of former MI6 officers known as Hacklut. Alexander Downer, who had a personal relationship with Bill Clinton, had signed a $25 million deal with him on behalf of the Australian government and the Clinton Foundation. Downer shows up two months after allegedly having this conversation with George Papadopoulos to suddenly report an alarming thing that he heard two months ago. I mean, it's ludicrous. The fact that you've educated you have educated adults believing this crap and repeating it just makes you want to scratch your head and recognize that this thing has nothing to do with reality. This is all a contrived fantasy. So that that's what Johnson went through. All of this stuff, all the Mueller report is filled with lies. The whole thing is fabrication. I mean, like he said, this is so far the FBI, the entrapment, uh, the uh, the intelligence, Five Eyes intelligence operation, the Australian end of this, the Ukraine end of it, the UK end of it, total, there's Mueller reports, a total fraud. This is all a lie. And this lie can't stand. The United States, people have been operating under these type of lies. It's time that these lies be put to rest. So I'll, I'll stop there with that. I think this is really explosive material. Um, I think. Um, the fact that uh, President Trump has authorized Attorney General Barr to de declassify uh, anything and everything that he thinks is relevant, the American people should see. Um, I think this will eventually lead to um, interesting material. But uh, from from just from what we know right now that is out in the public record, Mueller's a fraud. Mueller's a partisan individual, which LaRouche Pack has said from the beginning. Uh, what Mueller did yesterday is revived the entire uh, impeachment offensive, um, and uh, the war is on. The, the attempted coup against the president of the United States is still very much alive. Which, which leads exactly into this exonerate LaRouche to stop the coup against Trump. Now, uh, this was released by LaRouche Pack on April 24th. Uh, it starts off with, For 70 years from the death of Franklin Roosevelt and the assassination of John F. Kennedy to the election of Donald Trump in 2016, Lyndon LaRouche protected the institution of the U.S. presidency from destruction at the hands of the British Empire. Lyndon LaRouche, who passed away at the age of 96 on February 12, 2019, 
ran eight presidential campaigns between 1976 and 2004, but in truth, it was one campaign which defended the American presidency from total takeover by the globalist enemies of this nation. Whether it was LaRouche's identification of the Trilateral Commission's control of Jimmy Carter in 1976, his role in shaping Ronald Reagan's strategic defense initiative, his reassertion of the American system of political economy, or his placing of a Hitler mustache on Barack Obama. LaRouche kept the institution of the presidency alive by exposing the British hand in various presidencies and by providing policies in the nation's interest to others. Thus, in 2016, Donald Trump was able to win election and began to effectively wield the Institute of the Presidency, and by doing so, terrified the modern-day British Empire. Both Lyndon LaRouche and Donald Trump paid a price. Trump's election triggered an attempted coup directed by the highest levels of the British intelligence, as LaRouche Pack had documented. That effort to remove Trump from office during his first term has been stalled with the end of Robert Mueller's investigation. Now is time to seize the initiative. Three three decades earlier, in the midst of 1987 presidential campaign, Lyndon LaRouche was indicted by the same Robert Mueller. While Mueller and his superiors, including William Weld, then the U.S. attorney and now Republican challenger to Donald Trump, were not able to make the indictment stick. LaRouche was indicted again in 1988 and railroaded through the infamous Alexander, Virginia, rocket docket and sentenced to prison for 15 years, serving five years before being paroled. So what are they afraid of? Lynn LaRouche identified two complementary policies which put him in the crosshairs of the British Empire. In, in the year 2000 statement, LaRouche declared, by 1982, my influence internationally had reached the level which the oligarchs decided to eradicate me and everyone associated with me. They did so because they were frightened, because they feared that someone might do as I was committed to do, utilize the impending global crisis to bring back the American system and its legacy. That American system legacy was was once understood by Americans as a system grounded in physical economic production, driven by scientific and technological advance. It is still understood by the British elite as a moral threat to their imperial system of monetarism and looting. But on the deeper level, Mr. LaRouche told his 
colleagues that he was indicated or yeah i think that's indicted indicted i'm sorry indicted and jailed because his policy for using directed energy weapons to destroy thermonuclear tipped icbms reagan's sdi would have unleashed new physical principles which would have created a phase shift in the economy. Oligarchs and imperialists despise such advance more than anything. They know that they cannot control a population who have experienced the power of their minds to effectively act on the universe. President Trump rekindled Bush fears in 2017 when he gave several speeches calling for a return to the American system and for the revival or for reviving America's recommitted to the manned space exploration. It is not a coincidence that within days of the completion of the Mueller probe, President Trump resumed that commitment and, amount, and announced that the American astronauts would return to the moon by 20. 24. Now, President Trump is freed from the Mueller witch hunt and the British intention to drive Trump from office during his first term has been dealt a big, significant setback. LaRouche Peck played a vital role in keeping the focus on the higher levels of the attack on the president. Once again, defending the institution of the presidency. But the war is not won. The British House of Lords declared in December 2018 public report that Britain's role in the world would not survive a second Trump term. Their intention is clear. They intend to cripple the remainder of President Trump's first term with endless investigations. More dangerous, they will continue to provoke tension and conflict between the U.S. and Russia and China to undercut President Trump's intentions to work with those other than other two superpowers economically and strategically. President Trump's April 24th tweet identifying Britain and not the Russians as a source of the election interference is the first step in exposing the British role. Our intention, the Trump of LaRouche's conception of man. In a 1997 speech in Washington, D.C., Lyndon LaRouche provided to the future U.S. president the strategy by which the British Empire could be defeated. You have the United States and China and a bunch of other countries ganged up together against the greatest power on this planet, which is the British Empire, called the British Commonwealth. That's the enemy. And if on one bright day, say a Sunday morning after a weekend meeting, the presidents of the United States and the president of China and a few other people say, we have determined this weekend that based on our advisors and the facts that the international financial and monetary system is hopelessly bankrupt, 
then the result then is that such an announcement on a bright Sunday morning will certainly spin the talking heads on Washington TV. But otherwise, it will mean that the entire system has at the moment been put through the guillotine and the head is rolling down the street. That means we have, at that point, the impetus for building a new financial and monetary system, the land bridge program, which with its implications on a global scale is a great project which spins off directly and indirectly enough businesses for every part of the world to get this world back on a sound basis again. When LaRouche gave that speech, the combination of forces to accomplish that did not exist. Today, they do, especially in the presidencies of China, Russia, and the United States. Moreover, China heeded LaRouche's policy directly and has transformed itself and other nations with its new Silk Road policy, which LaRouche proposed 22 years ago as the Land Bridge Program. It is any wonder that the British and their neocon and neoliberal allies, both inside and outside the administration, are on overdrive, painting Russia and China as an authoritarian enemies of the United States. How can such a victory be won? By putting Lyndon LaRouche's ideas into the minds of the American citizens and into the hands of President Donald Trump. LaRouche's ideas have been suppressed as a result of his conviction and jailing. Those ideas are needed more than ever before by the president and by this nation. More than any other American in the last current century, LaRouche has understood the universal principles which shaped the American Republic and has advanced them in political economy, statecraft, culture, and science. And by doing so, he has given a great gift to the world. It is time that Americans avail themselves of that gift. The nation and the president need it, now more than ever. The coup against the president cannot be defeated until British system economics and geopolitics are defeated. Lyndon LaRouche devoted his life to that end. It is time to exonerate Lyndon LaRouche so that his ideas can lead the nation and the world into total victory against the British system. If you would like to give a comment on that, well, it's um, the 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 contributions that he advanced uh, in political economy, statecraft, culture, and science. Um, this was the a a the subject of a class series, um, which just completed, but it's all accessible online at LaRouchePack.com. Um, reviewing. Uh, his, his contributions in, in many different areas. 
Uh, I'll just mention a couple. Most the, the last one in the class was <clears throat> on the fight around the Strategic Defense Initiative, um, which he authored, and uh, of course President Reagan uh, uh, adopted. And that class went through one one of the interesting things to, among several things that that was very interesting in that class went through on how the Soviet uh, press, the KGB, um, the came here to was attacking LaRouche viciously, um, came here to meet with the Democratic presidential candidate Walter Mondale. And Mondale and the chairman of the Democratic Party at the time were also attacking LaRouche viciously. The mainstream media, particularly the Washington Post, New York Times, uh, NBC, uh, were attacking LaRouche viciously. All of their focus was on how they had to break the connection between LaRouche and Reagan that they had to break this uh, LaRouche influence in the Reagan administration. That was the that was the number one objective they had after we got the Strategic Defense Initiative adopted as policy. So that was one aspect of it. And of course, uh, how Ruth viewed it as both economic uh, policy of economic recovery, a policy to advance science uh, strategically, um, as uh, a means of boosting productivity and regaining U.S. economic sovereignty, we're all part of this as a one package. Um, but anyway, this um, this class series is available to people, and it was um, put out as the prelude leading to a memorial that will be uh, 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 held for LaRouche on June 8th, which is a Saturday. The main event is going to be in New York City, but there are uh, feeder events, um, auxiliary events, um, all over the United States. And we will have one uh, here in uh, uh, Michigan at the uh, uh, Novi Library, and um, I uh, wanted to uh, give out a number for that. Uh, for information, people can call for more information on the one here is uh, 313-483-8544. That's 313-483-8544. So uh, <clears throat> that's why I wanted to add into that, Joseph. Otherwise, uh, I think we're good. Okay. So, again, that's uh, if you'd like to attend this memorial for Mr. LaRouche or find out information about it, you can call that number that John, I mean, I'm sorry, not John, that Ronald just gave off. That is 313-483-8544. You can look into LaRouche Pack dot com and find out more information on what we just shared with you and with all that said i'm ready to sign off and i thank you very much ronald for assisting me here today in the um in today's two episodes of the show helium three more than 
uh, more than dust. Thank you very much, <laughs> and we'll be signing off. Thanks, Joseph. Bye. Bye-bye.